Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Welcome back to BTR Boxing Podcast Network. I am your host, Sean, joined as always by Johnston for a big fight preview. And we haven't done one for a couple of weeks, so it feels a little strange to be back in the saddle of the podcasting world doing big fight previews. We haven't really had anything that we could essentially constitute in our eyes as a big fights. You could talk about Regis Begray's victory. You could talk about, you know, the, the fights with Fraser Clark the other week. They didn't really whet our appetite in the sense that we wanted to do something for a podcast and, and, and release something. What we did instead was work on our Career Profiles podcast. So, quick plug for that. That has now started. The first episode, Wilfred Benitez, is now out there. If you haven't already downloaded it and listened, please go and listen. And the next nine weeks subsequently, there's going to be nine more episodes and even more beyond. Some of the episodes are that big, we've had to split them into two parts. So, you've got a, a good extended season of career profiles heading your way so please do make sure you've checked out the career profiles podcast but this episode is all about this weekend's boxing and we decided to do something for this weekend's boxing because there were a couple of fights that I felt personally were were significant to talk about this weekend now one of them was Savannah Marshall going up a weight to fight for the super middleweight titles against her opponent, Franchon Cruz Desern, who is the current IBF, WBA, WBC and WBO super middleweight champion. Now, these were titles that were all vacated by Clarissa Shields. Ironically, Shields is actually a mutual opponent of both. Cruz Desern actually fought Shields in her debut and of course Savannah Marshall fought her in her last outing and there was a lot of talk of this big rematch happening and it hasn't happened and instead she's took the opportunity, Marshall, to go up and fight for the super middleweight crown. So this is going to be a focus of this episode but there are other fights of course this weekend that we do want to touch on. On the same card, Natasha Jonas aims to make her own history by moving back down to the welterweight division to challenge for the IBF vacant welterweight championship. She could become a two-weight world champion. She could retire on a high if she wins this fight this coming weekend. Ben Whittaker's also on the card, Zach Chelly and Mark Jeffers, another interesting fight and then 
in the heavyweight scene, we've got a great fight happening this weekend between Jared Anderson and King Charles Martin. He is back in the ring as a substitute opponent for Jared Anderson, who is looking really impressive. Now, Johnston, I'm going to hand this straight over to you now. We've got an interesting weekend of fights, not necessarily like hyped up big, big fights. Like the last big fight preview for us was Lopez and, and Josh Taylor. But really, none of these sort of sit on that significant level to me. But I do feel like there are significance in some of these fights where we do need to discuss them and we do need to give our opinions on them. And we also need to talk about some of the other stuff going on around boxing too. Well, yeah, it's been a while since we've actually been able to discuss more present time boxing. Uh, We do find ourselves digging through the boxing history archive and reminiscing and discussing fighters of old which always is our niche and where most of our joy comes from when it comes to the sport and how easy it was back in those days for top fighters to fight one another so this is an interesting one to obviously discuss because of the current situation with uh especially heavyweight boxing at the minute and the state of it and contracts and splits and what's in what and promoters endless talking on Social media, it's, it's, it's a whole different ball game today and it's just, it doesn't really, uh, well, let's just say it, it pisses me off a little bit. <laughs> I can't help it. Uh, so it'd be nice to discuss some of that. More present stuff, more recent stuff. We need more more fights to whet the appetite. You know, we've got some big ones in the horizon, but as you say, this weekend, not particularly stacked with a real standout card, but, you know, Savannah Marshall against uh, Cruz Desern is definitely a big fight. Cruz Desern is... Cruz Desern, sorry, has only lost one fight, as you said, in her debut to Clarissa Shields. So she's the undisputed super middleweight champion. And Marshall's got an opportunity again to to attempt to become undisputed champion like she did against Shields. Unfortunately, she can't shoot. Hopefully this week she can uh, she can go for it. And, and from what I'm reading from her is 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 great to hear. You know, she she wants to give it everything, you know, what, and what it means to her and, and how much, you know, how, how it affected her falling short against Clarissa Shields. And, and this is, that's only going to put her in good stead for this fight in particular. But I love in the fact when I hear someone, no matter whether it's male or female, when they say they'll have to go through hell to get those belts, because that, that just shows to me that she's eager. And I mean, to be fair, the women put the men to shame, Sean, didn't they? Sometimes they do, yeah, because you get moments where the these will go in the ring, these women will come in the ring and absolutely throw everything in there. And then you'll get some fights, including men, where you just think laziness and, and lack of expectation or, or lack of deliverance on, on some fights. But I think with, with Savannah Marshall, she's she's jumping straight back into the fire, really, because you think she about is. it, she, she's had that fight with Clarissa Shields. It, the hype was there. It was years in the making and she fell short because she wasn't good enough on the night. She didn't do what we'd seen her previously do. She weren't able to to land and hurt Shields the way people kind of anticipated she could do. And Shields just looked like a master boxer in that fight. And she did. I give her a credit. And we did both give her Shields the credit after that fight, regardless of the trash shock she puts out there. We give her the credit because she really is one of the greatest female fighters of this particular era. And she's proven it time and time again so far in her career. Now, Savannah Marshall wants to put her stamp of authority on the boxing world. And to do that, she feels like becoming an undisputed champion and, 
either the super middleweight division or middleweight divisions are the way to go. She was unsuccessful in a middleweight attempt. Now she's going up to super middleweight to fry Franchon Cruz Desern, who, by all accounts, isn't going to be an easy task. And I don't think this is a fight where you can actually sit there and go, yeah, Savannah Marshall's got this fight. Like, normally, you will sit there and listen to podcasts or listen to pundits talk about, you know, how Savannah Marshall can do this and how she'll do that and how she can beat, win the fight. And then there's not a lot of talk of her opponent. You know, from what I've seen of her opponent, I watched a little bit of footage on her in preparation for the podcast. And actually, I thought she's going to be a difficult opponent. I don't think she's opponent that Savannah Marshall's going to be able to bully around the ring. Now, Savannah Marshall hits hard. And I think that was something that was relied on heavily in the Shields fight. I think Cruz Desern also hits just as hard, if not harder. And I think this is going to be a really interesting fight. I think it's, for people that don't know Cruz Desern, I'd probably say after listening to this podcast, go and look her up and go and look at some of the fights because she is a hard hitter. Okay, she's only got two knockouts on her record. That might be contrary to what I'm actually saying here. That doesn't necessarily mean she can't hit hard. That just means that maybe she is going through the fights and she's picking up the rounds. And what I've seen in her fights, she is a hard hitter. She can hurt opponents, but she takes her time with her opponents and she likes to break her opponents down. And I think what's going to happen in this fight is we're going to get an interesting possible tale of two halves between Marshall and Cruz Desern. It really is going to depend on who starts faster, who's going to set the pace in this fight as to who will come at it down the stretch. Now, initially, when I thought about how this fight will go down, I was looking at maybe Savannah would have to dig deep and grit her way through it, and I think she'd have to take an early lead before Cruz Desern came back into the fight. But what I'm thinking about it now, after watching a bit more footage, is that I think Savannah is going to be the one that's going to have to let, let the storm come to her in the fight early and then start to take the fight over the halfway stage. I think it's a ten, it's a 10 rounder, it's 2 minute rounds, 10 rounds. I think 4 or 5 rounds in, Savannah Marshall's going to need to put the foot on the gas if she doesn't come out on the front foot and try to press the action early on because if she doesn't, she's going to lose the fight on points. So that's kind of my sort of assessment of what what I kind of think Savannah Marshall will need to do. But I just can't predict how it's actually going to go down because I don't want to sit there and just go with Savannah Marshall because she is the more known fighter in this instance, whereas Cruz Desern maybe isn't as known to the wider UK public. But if you do your research, you can actually see she's going to be a difficult night for Savannah. And possibly this could be a night where Savannah doesn't fulfil that destiny she wants to fulfil. Yeah, I mean, you're right. All them points uh, you've uh, hit on and hit the nail on the head there, Sean. She isn't going to be an easy opponent at all. She isn't an undisputed super middleweight champion for no reason. The one defeat on her record as, you know, was in her debut, uh, a four-rounder against Clarissa Shields. I'm surprised that Shields and Cruz Desern haven't actually fought before, fought sort of a rematch since then, considering... Uh, the amount of titles they've both got. Um, I mean, they could have had an undisputed and put all their belts on the line in two weight classes. So that's as has actually actually happened before with uh, Sugar Ray Leonard back in the day. But yeah, I mean, she. Uh, one thing I didn't know too much about Cruz Desern. All I knew is she was mathing off a little bit. So I had a little watch of some of her fights, and um, yeah, she's a very confident girl. Um, 
she's an ex uh, I think it was American Idol I think she was on she wanted to be an R&B singer or something so I, I discovered and I also discovered that more than a decade ago they actually boxed before Cruz Desern and Marshall in the 2011 Olympic test event which Marshall won quite comfortably 14-12 apparently and um, well Cruz Desern she's bitter about it she wants again she wants to beat her in the pros because she lost to her in the amateurs very similar to the talk that happened before with Clarissa Shields. Maybe she's she's on that same blueprint as Clarissa Shields. Certainly not as much of a bigger name as her. So you do wonder if she is trying to push that boat out again just to try and bring a bit of needle to this fight. But I like... Look, I'm, I'm a fan of Savannah Marshall. We both are. And the, the performance she put in against Clarissa wasn't necessarily to do with the fact that she didn't have the ability. It was to do with the fact that she was a bit overawed and that Clarissa Shields boxed superbly. You know, we, we've never beat around the bush in terms of how she does annoy sometimes when she does her trash talking and the way she talks about herself and bigs herself up. She really does blow her own trumpet, which sometimes can put you off of her. But you know what? She was brilliant against Savannah. And no matter what she did, it was always going to be one way. And Clarissa was always going to win that fight. So when you look at that, you think, well, that's a learning curve for Savannah. I don't feel that Cruz Azern is going to be as good. She's she's not going to be. I'm Not for me. Um, and as you say, you've seen footage. I've seen odd bits here and there. She doesn't impress me as much as Clarissa, Clarissa does. But she has got a bit of pop. I know her, her knockout ratio doesn't. Sort of suggest that, but you know, with the two minute rounds, 10 rounders, the, at times if a girl gets hurt, she, she's backing away, and then maybe she just, as you say, she breathes her way through the fight a bit like Clarissa does. That's why Clarissa hasn't got huge knockouts when they could put their foot down on a the pedal, they refuse to. They're just quite happy to get the rounds in and, and win the fight comfortably rather than knocking the other girl out. Whereas Savannah's different when she's in that position where she hurts someone, she's going to put you away. Will she get in that position in this fight? I think it's more than possible. She's got more chance of that happening against this opponent than against Clarissa. And I think because of that defeat and because of stuff she would have learned from that fight in terms of how she presses the fight and when to press the fight, then I, I feel that she, she may get an opportunity. And whether she knocks her out, I'm not too sure. But I think she can hurt her. And if it goes a distance... it. You do worry. Um, how's it going to go? I think if Clarissa, if, um, Clarissa, if Savannah puts enough pressure on, does her, uh, does force her way and fight her style. Don't allow Cruz Desern to impress herself and put, put her style on the fight. She just needs to be patient, do what she's been doing and what's been successful for her. And I think she can win this fight. I don't think she's going to stop her, but I'm going to go Marshall. I think Marshall will take it and I think she will just edge it Maybe on one of the cards might be a bit controversial, but the other maybe a, it's always going to be. I just can't help it. There's always going to be controversy somewhere along the line. Someone's going to think she didn't win the fight, but I think she wins it narrowly. I think Marshall wins it. I mean, I wanted to win it. You know, I'm a bit, oh. of, bias, a bit of bias seeping in here. If I'm being honest, I would like her, as a fan, I would like her to win it, but trying to be objective about the situation, I think this could be a close fight. I think if she doesn't, will. If she doesn't press the action, at the points she, she needs to press the action, she could lose it on points. So what what I'm hoping is that she's learnt, like you said, from the Clarissa Shields fight, and she adapts to this. It's an interesting fight. Actually, it's a fight that I'm looking forward to seeing. And 
whilst it might not be the big headliner, the one that's stealing the show for the weekend, it's certainly significant in terms of what Savannah Marshall will achieve if she wins this fight. So yeah, that that's one of the fights that we said we wanted to cover for this show. It's one that I'm looking forward to and looking forward to seeing the outcome. And then, you know, if Savannah does win, what happens next? You know, that's the conversation we'll have in our, our reaction yeah. show. We'll, you know, we'll see what she says next if she does win, but she's got to get past Cruz de Zern first. So, interesting fight happening this weekend. On the undercard, we've got some interesting fights. I mentioned them at the top of the show. Zach Celli, Mark Jeffers in the super middleweight division. Mark Jeffers, 15-0, and 0, now gets his opportunity to show himself on the bigger domestic stage against Zach Celli, who feels like he's kind of been floating around for for quite some time he got a really good win over Anthony Sims Jr in February which we said would would be a good win if he got it and he did he got that win with lucky landslots you can get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom sorry sorry we're here we were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time no lucky land casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry in that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. You kind of feel like from that win against Sims Jr., he would have been moved in a different direction, personally speaking. But... I think he's fighting somebody who's undefeated in Jeffers, who is looking for his opportunity, but Jeffers really hasn't had the same level of opposition as what Chelly had. So I honestly think Chelly wins this fight. I think he's going to have too much for Jeffers because I don't think Jeffers has had that fight yet, that one particular fight, which has really give him the learning experience that he really, really needs. Like, if you look through his resume, I've been watching Jeffers for years since he turned pro in 2016, and a lot of the fighters he, he gets in the ring with are all European journeymen that come over, or South American journeymen that come over, or British journeymen that are fighting him. He, he's not had that big fight yet. He's not had that big win. Okay, people might say in 2021 he won the WBO Global Super Middleweight title, but that doesn't mean doesn't mean anything really at this stage of his career. What what means something is when he gets a big significant win. If he beats Zach Jelly, that's a significant win. As it stands, I'm kind of feeling like it's going to be a victory for Zach Jelly. But we'll see. It's an interesting fight on the undercard of this show. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. And we mentioned Natasha Jonas as well. We said that at the top of the show, Jonas is looking at becoming a two-weight world champion, fighting for the IBF World Welterweight Crown against Candy Wyatt. I think this is probably Jonas's biggest opportunity to be a two-weight world champion. With the greatest of respect to her opponent, I don't feel like she is going to be able to give Jonas the fight that maybe people want. She's got a good resume, uh, the Wyatt, she's got a great resume. She's fought Christina Linodatu. She's fought Callie Reese. She's fought Jessica McCaskill. She got stopped by McCaskill in seven rounds in 2021. She's fought Britain's Kirsty Bavington 
earlier this year and beat Kirsty Bavington. So she's got a good resume. But I think Jonas's resume recently is much better. And I think Jonas, it's kind of lined up for her to become a two-weight world champion. That's that's the way I kind of perceive this fight. It's lined up for her to do that. Whether she can do it is another question. I think she can, personally, because I think the, the victories that she's had recently and the experience that she's had, I think will put her in good stead for, for a victory here. But we'll see, because you never know. Nobody expected Jonas to get stopped a few years ago, and she did. So you just never know. She She's 39 years of age now. People are forgetting that. She needs to retire on a high. I think this would be a way to retire on a high. But I'm looking forward to that one as well, because I think it'd be just desserts for her we've been covering Jonas now Johnston for a few years and I remember when she got stopped and I remember our conversations around her potentially not fulfilling that destiny of of, of being such an established amateur and such a great amateur it was always a worry that she'd never get there and, and she has achieved that at the latter stage of her career to do this now surely that's got to be the icing on the cake it's got to be over you know end your career if you win this fight I think so. I think, you know, 39 years of age, she's already won a world title. Something that we had that discussion on that defeat, we felt that, you know, you do wonder if the move over from the amateurs into the pro game maybe just didn't fit her style. But she adapted really well. And, you know, she's she's come back from that defeat. She learned from it. And, you know, that, that Katie Taylor fight, how close was that? A lot of people still think that she didn't lose that fight. And then from there, she just kicked on. She She's won a world title in the division above. And now she's got a great opportunity. As you say, said with, with Candy Wyatt, she's she's fought the, the McCaskills and the Reeses. And, you know, she's had a... She, she's fought them, but she hasn't beaten them. I think that's the one thing. With McCaskill knocking her out quite recently, you can't help but think that this is a, this is a nice fight for Natasha to become a 2-8 world champion. She's a Southpaw. She's, yeah, she's six years older, but she's going to be, I just can't see her losing this fight. It would be a huge disappointment for Natasha Jonas if she doesn't win the fight. Okay, I don't know a huge amount about Candy White, but when you look at her resume, it suggests to me that when she has a step up in class, she's not quite able to produce the goods, even though she is a few years younger. I don't think she's got any experience the same as what Jonas has had in the pros and the amateurs. So I think for me, at 39, I think Jonas should be coming away with a victory and picking up her second belt in a second weight class. And I think she should show. She's a decent pundit. She can go into punditry. It's not like she can't earn any money in that. Uh, Sky seemed to like her. And she's interactive with fans. People enjoy sort of interacting with her. So for me win the fight, become a two-weight world champion and disappear. You know, you're knocking on 40 there. It makes sense to me, Sean. She could easily win the fight. I, I easily won. I'm, I'm, I'm sort of just writing off Candy White here, but it's obvious, mate. I think this is a bit of a, a layup for her. The vacant IBF, where that's come from, who knows? The, the governing bodies were obviously looking at it and saying, right, we'll stick that, that, that belt on for this fight. I don't see where that comes from. Sometimes I mean, I'm sad about the female boxing in terms of the female fighters wanting to fight each other most of the time, unlike the men. But sometimes when they throw a belt in on a, on a fight like this, I do scratch my head with it. Um, so it's, a, it's an opportunity for her. If she doesn't take it, then that's a real shame for her, Sean. I think it should be an easy layup for her, mate. We say that, but you just never know. Boxing might bring you us something completely oh, no, different. You don't. <laughs> As you say, she did get she did get stopped, but I mean, unless she takes her off the ball, Sean, and she she shouldn't be losing this fight. This shouldn't. It's, in fact, this, I don't think this really should have 
an IBF vacant title to it. My honest opinion. Maybe maybe dropping down in weight is that going to be a problem for her? Maybe. I don't, know. I don't think it will. I don't think you will. I think I think you're going to see a comfortable victory. She may even stop the girl. I'll be well, honest so. with you. And you know, it's not like she's been hugely active. This Candy White. There's nothing there to suggest to me she's going to really pose any threat. But you know, as you say, boxing is a funny old game. Who knows? It is a. She's a huge underdog, though, isn't she? Yeah, I agree on that. I'm looking forward to seeing if she can do it. I mean, that that's that's the thing for me is, will Marshall do it? Will Joe and do it on the same card? It'll be really interesting to see, you know, whether both girls can actually do this and, you know, make their own little bits of history on the same night, which would be good. Uh, also on this card, then Johnson, Ben Whittaker is back in action. He is in the ring for his fourth professional fight and Callum Simpson looking to go 12-0 and against Boris Crichton. Another little interesting side fight as well to to be checking out if you are looking to tune into this card this weekend but it's not the only major uk card happening this weekend and when i say major i say significant fights that are happening with some meaning towards it uh, there is another card going on in sheffield this weekend and it features dalton smith and sam maxwell for the british and commonwealth super lightweight titles this is a fight that we knew was coming we knew it was being made we knew it was happening it's finally here this is dalton smith's arguably his biggest test today sam maxwell has the opportunity now to take the titles off him and it is going to be an interesting fight it's just a wonder as to really whether sam maxwell can cause dalton smith the problems that is going to have to figure out and is going to make him better than British level and ready for that step up to the sort of European slash fringe world contender level. This is the fight for him to prove that he can do that. It's an interesting fight. It's a it's a fight that's been well made. I'm happy with the fight. I'm happy that, you know, it's going to get to show whether Dalton Smith is absolutely ready because everybody thinks he's ready. Everybody says he's ready. Everybody raves about the skills and abilities that he's got. And he's just, he's just looked like he's never got out of second gear when it comes down to his ability in the ring. It just looks like he cruises through some of these fights. Sometimes he feels like he gets a little bit lazy in him because he's, so he feels like it must be so easy for him. Like, you know, you look at his last fight, it was just really look at the cards like 119, 108, 119, 108, 120, 107 against Casey Benjamin, 116, 130, 117, and 112. And then there was a, obviously a close competitive card, 115, 114. That was a more competitive fight for him. But then before that, he's just he's making the fights look easy for him. And I think that's 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 the problem. Sometimes a fighter can make the fights look too easy for them, that nobody wants to go near them. But Sam Maxwell's up to the challenge and he's going to take the opportunity. And hopefully he will give Dalton Smith a lot to think about in this fight. It is certainly the, the step up he needs. It's certainly the opportunity for him to prove that he's probably, outside of the, the, the complete bigger names in the super lightweight division, he's probably the best that we've got in this division and that he's ready for a move forward within his resume and within the level of opposition. So that's also happening in Sheffield this weekend. Pat McCormack's on the card, Hopi Price and James Beach Jr. Interesting fight, step up for Hopi Price there against James Beach Jr. Uh, Louis Sylvester against Adam Cope for the English lightweight title, also on this particular card as well. I'm interested with the Dalton Smith and Sam Maxwell fight then, Johnston. I said it was yeah. one that we knew was coming. What are you making of it? And what are you making of Dalton Smith's chances of beating Sam Maxwell? And does he make it easier? Will it be more difficult for him? What do you think? Well, if anyone ever questioned Sam Maxwell's heart, you only need to just go back to 2019 to watch the Sabri fight, which was stunning, wasn't it, Sean? You remember that fight? 
my goodness me, and that literally knocks it knocks out the uh, Sabri fellow who was being all cocky, knocked Maxwell down a couple of times, and he's being a cocky little shit, and then Maxwell will land something and knocks the guy out. So if you ever worried, if you if you ever worried or thought that Sam Maxwell hasn't got heart and he and he's not gonna keep going right to the end, then look no further than that fight. And that's what Dalton Smith should be looking at is saying, look, you know what? Is we've got a guy here that can. Rock the, rock the apple cart, if you like. He can be the one to pose some questions to me and ask some questions that no one else ever has. Has he got enough? I doubt it. I mean, when you look at Dalton Smith, everything, as you say, does look very comfortable, very easy for him. He goes about his business in an excellent way. You know, he's only 26. He can potentially move on. To, well, he should be moving on to becoming, you know... <laughs> I say becoming, he's on the fringes. I mean, look, the British title is always a great title, Super Light. There's always so many, so many terrific fights in this division, the British Super Lightweight. And you know what? There's been endless fights that have been thoroughly entertaining to watch. I'm not so sure this is going to be. I think Sam's going to be, it will give everything he's got. He'll give his best shot. But I don't think he really will. He will ask some questions, but Dalton Smith will come away with a victory. I do feel that it will be a sort of, a seven, seven, or was it a 12 round? Like, I think he might give away three rounds, if that, to be honest. He doesn't give away hardly any rounds. I don't think he will, but Sam will keep going to the end. He'll ask a few more questions than others, but yeah, I can't see any other way. Um, but you never know, Sam Maxwell, he, he, again, you know, he's shown he's got heart and grit and determination, so he may. He might get a lucky shot in. Um, Willie, I doubt it. I just I just think Smith will have the ability and he needs to be moving on. As you say, he's one of the best in our division, if not the best in this division in our country. And it'd be interesting to see if he can move on, move into the European level. And then from there, is he going to be, will he, will he get through that? And can he move into the world stage? He's only 26. Who knows? Time is is on his side. So, but it's, it's an intriguing one. It's, it's I say it's intriguing. A, a hard... It's hard to give Sam really any chance, um, although he's only lost one fight in his career. But, you know, and when you look at that fight in 2019, especially that, you know, he, he can produce the goods when he really desperately needs it. I just don't think he's got the ability. And I think Smith has got more ability than he has. And I think he's going to show that Saturday night or Friday night. Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday night, whichever night, which, which, whichever, whichever night Saturday you want to pick. Saturday night, first, first of July. <laughs> <it out. laughs> well, uh, Saturday night, Saturday night early hours of Sunday morning. Yeah, it's an Eddie Earn card, isn't it? Yeah, well, well, you look at what else is on this weekend. We said we wanted to talk about other fights happening, and I think one that really pricked my ears up and got my attention. <laughs> was Jared Anderson and Charles Martin happening in the USA early hours of Sunday morning for us in the UK. Uh, late replacement Charles Martin as well. He's coming in as a replacement to face Jared Anderson, who is undefeated. He looks like the next heavyweight. Huge prospect. 14-0, 14 KOs. Nobody's really challenged him yet. Nobody's really sort of made it difficult for him yet. He's knocking all his opponents out for fun. Now is the time to get him that step up. Charles Martin is a step up. You know, he's a former IBF champion. Okay, he's, he's since since that loss to Joshua, he hasn't really been relatively significant. He's had fights with Adam Kornacki and lost on points. He's had some good KO victories. He lost 
via KO in six rounds to Luis Ortiz last year. Then he's come back and got a victory in September last year. But he's 37 years old now. What what sort of test does he provide at this stage for Jared Anderson, who is young and hungry and ready to make an assault on the heavyweight championships? He's 23 years old, Anderson. And I think he's at a point where there's only so long you can keep him away from the big names of the division. I really don't think it's going to be much longer. I think if he did a number on Charles Martin this coming weekend, I think you're going to start looking at him now and start thinking, well, when are you going to give him some of the bigger names in the division? You know, you look around where he's being rated at the moment and you've got guys like Carlos Takam, Tony Yoka, Otto Volin, F.A. Jagba, another prospect, Kevin Lorena, who fought Daniel Dubois. You've got Mirat Gassiev around still, Philip Hergovic, Martin Bacoli, Frank Sanchez. You know, these are just to name but a few in and around the sort of level of ranking where Jared Anderson's being ranked at the moment. So there's plenty of names for him if he beats Martin and beats him convincingly and knocks him out like the way he's done with his last 14 opponents. But I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. I'm honestly not really sort of holding out much hope that Martin's going to provide him with the test that he needs. And all that that's going to do is it's just going to provide more hype for Anderson as a, as a heavyweight prospect. And, I mean, apart from... Deontay Wilder and maybe Andy Ruiz, there really hasn't been many American fighters in the heavyweight division as of recent times where you can honestly get excited about. If you're an American boxing fan and you want to see the glory division, the heavyweight division, have have you know somebody to get behind, somebody to be excited for, I think at this stage, Anderson's probably the guy to look at now because he's the one that's making all the waves and making all the noise in the heavyweight division. And I don't think it'll be too long before... He ends up fighting a lot of those names that I've mentioned. And eventually, with guys like Joshua and Fury and Wilder, you know, they're going to be retiring. Let's be honest. They're going to be gone within the next two to three years at a maximum. So, Jared Anderson will be 26 by then, 27. He's sort of coming in to to, to his early prime, if anything. So, I think Jared Anderson's probably going to be one of the next faces of the heavyweight division. But does Charles Martin provide any opposition to him at all? Or will he teach him a few things? Because he is a durable fighter. But people like Ortiz have knocked him out. People like Joshua have knocked him out. Can Jared Anderson go one better and do the same? I, I think I think he can. I think he can knock him out early. And I think if he does, that's when all the comparisons come with Anderson. It is. And um, many people have tipped. I mean, I remember Tyson Fury uh, tipping Jared um, Anderson from a few years ago when he was like 21 or something like a couple of years ago when he was 2021 20, and now obviously 23 and um he's knocked knocked out every one of his opponents you know 14 opponents he's knocked them all out um, and, and you can't knock that um you, even if you look at the early stages of his career you know the the recent the most not his probably not his most recent uh knockout but the other one a jerry forrest knockout in, in two rounds was very impressive you know Jeff, jerry forrest is a He's a decent enough opponent, um, and uh, to do that to Jerry for as, as quick as he did was was tremendous. I, I can't see Charles Martin going any further than, than 
five rounds, to be honest with you. I think he gets knocked out. I think he gets completely wiped out. And I think this guy is potentially the guy that could potentially be become a world champion and then could even be up ruling a division. As you say, you know, Tyson Fury, Usyk, Joshua, White, Wilder, they're all limited. So when you look at the next names sort of the youngsters that are coming through, you are looking at Anderson. You're looking at Daniel Dubois, which would be a great fight later on in their careers. Um, everybody else is tipped over 30. You know, they're either 30 or over. Frank Sanchez is 30 years old. Martin Bacoli is another one, 30, 30 years old. Hergovic, 31. They're sort of the next guys after the guys that are currently on the top that don't want to fight each other. Because that's, that's the truth of it, isn't it, Sean? These guys, don't, for some reason, they don't want to seem to fight each other. Um, not sure why, but yeah, FA Jack was even 29. I thought he was a lot younger than that. And I, I sort of felt that he would be a guy that could potentially be a, a name in the heavyweight division. And it's, it's difficult to see anyone else barring this youngster. I think he deals with Charles Martin with ease, mate. I think he does. I don't think Charles Martin's going to, he ain't lasting. Um, yes, at times, because he's a South boy, he can be a bit tricky and he's shown a bit of grit at, at certain situations, but you know, Anderson is he's in his he's in Ohio, he's in his own backyard, he's gonna Charles Martin's been put on because he wants to be fifteen with fifteen knockouts, and that's exactly where he's going. Other than that, he, I think for the next part for him is he needs to find somebody that can go the distance. Someone like a Carlos Sacan, who's got a tough chin. I know he's an old boy, but he probably needs that just to get some rounds in. Him knocking people out and bowling them over is not always as we see with Deontay Wilder, it's not always the best. It looks great on your resume, but then after a while, it's like, wow. So I'd like to see him, like even Jermaine Franklin, for instance, showing a great chin against two of our boys, you know, and, and, and posed threats. That's that's a, that's a future opponent for him. Uh, Stephen Shaw, another good fighter that could uh, pose problems and maybe take him rounds. I think they're the guys, if he's going to stay that side of the pond, I think that's who he should be looking at next. He needs rounds, Sean. But I'd think that his team around him are looking at him, probably thinking by the time he fights any of those guys, he's going to be 25, 20 and 0 with 20 knockouts. Well, yeah, because it's a good selling point for somebody, isn't it? Exactly. Like, when you're, when you're promoting is, a fighter. If you look at the highlight reels, all you're seeing is Anderson bowling people out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's, what, so, that's why it's perfect for a Martin, because it looks great when you see Charles Martin at the deck. He planks and looks funny, <laughs> doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, that might be added to the highlight reel this weekend. I think we oh, both... Will. We both feel it is going to be the case. Um, but talking of heavyweights and talking about what you just mentioned there, you alluded to it while we were talking yeah. about this fight. Uh, heavyweights not wanting to fight each other. I mean, we talk about heavyweights a lot on this show and we get really frustrated when fights don't get made or there's a lot of chat on social media and it just never comes to fruition. You know, the current chat at the moment is AJ Dillian White for August doesn't seem to have been done. It's supposed to have been done. Now it's not a done deal. Now there's discrepancies within the deal. So it gets frustrating reading that sort of stuff on social media. Then we've seen Deontay Wilder and Andy Ruiz going at it. Wilder's accusing Ruiz of letting his... Ruiz's dad actually controlling everyone and stopping Ruiz from actually signing the contract. Now Ruiz is saying, come on, let's go. So, you know, these, these are two good fights, really, for the heavyweight division. You know, both of... You know, the, well, all four of the fighters involved have got a lot to prove, really. Like, you know, different stages of the career, but they want to be back on the top. And the only way to do that is by fighting the guys that are around them. And, and you know, eventually, 
there's this big fight being proposed for Saudi Arabia, Usyk and Fiore. Uh, eventually, the winner of all these, you know, sort of semi-final fights, so to speak, will will get their shot if they if they go through it. So if like Joshua beats White and Wilder beats Ruiz, Joshua Wilder finally happens on the undercard of Usyk versus Tyson Fury in Saudi. That's kind of the talk that I've been seeing on social media. But then you get all these different reports on a daily basis, and genuinely. After after a bit, you kind of have to switch off to them because yep. each day you go on social media, a new story appears. Whether it's true or not, it's a story that a media outlet, a boxing media outlet, will put out there because it will grab the attention of, of people using social media. So I tend to be a bit sceptical when I see these. I mean, I know the AJ White negotiations are actually solid and there is solid negotiations happening there and a fight for August the 12th is being proposed. It's just a case of ironing out a few kinks in the contracts. Just get it on, guys. Just just crack on with it because you both need a win. You both need a big win. I mean, at this stage of their careers, they need a big win against one another because I think the loser of that fight is, you know, what else are they going to do? There's nothing else for them to do in the sport if they, if, they, if they lose that fight. So it feels like a little bit of a last chance saloon fight there. Then you've got Wilder, who who's still knocking around, who, st- who still wants to get back up to the top. And, and to do that, he needs to beat somebody else. And, and Ruiz is a perfect opponent, a good, good name, former champion, of course. And, you know, these two getting it on seems like a good prospect as well. And then you've got Fury, who keeps going on Instagram and social media. I've got a big announcement to make. I've got a big announcement to make. And just when you think it's going to be Usyk versus Tyson Fury, it's usually something like, oh, look, I've just released the latest Ferocity can. The next flavour of my Ferocity brand is out. And then you think to yourself, oh, for God's sake, just come on, announce the fight. Just announce this fight. We want to see the fight. That's all we want to see. If Look, if Spence and Crawford can finally agree to getting the fight on after all these years. Tyson Fury, come on, man. Get this fight on with Usyk. Prove you are the best of this era. You need to wipe Usyk out if you're going to do that. You need to wipe Joshua out if you're going to do that. Stop talking on social media. Just get the fight signed, man. The lot of you, just sign the fights. I'm sick of sick of talking about it now. I just want the fights to happen. I, d- I don't want our podcast to turn into one of those clickbait podcasts where it's like every week we're talking about the same bloody subject. We haven't talked about this for a little while, so I felt like uh, we needed to say something about it now because there's all this stuff going around social media and it looks like some fights might actually happen. But Johnston, come on, let's give your assessment of this situation and uh, what you're thinking about these fights that are being proposed and, and, and maybe signed in the next few weeks. It's, it's all logical. Everything's logical about it. It just It just seems ridiculous that you always find yourself reading about splits and... This guy's offered fifty percent, and he he's like he ain't getting fifty percent. And you read other people like he don't deserve fifty percent. You're like, who are you? Fuck off! Like, really? Why are you arguing about the percentage splits for? Just got two fighters, you know. You, you Deontay Wilder's thirty-seven. You know how long has he got left? Dillian White, thirty-six. To, to Dillian White's credit, you know he's thirty-six, and he's saying it. You know he wants Joshua, he wants Wilder, and do you know what? Out of them all, he's probably the only one that would take any of them on with, without it necessary. I mean, he, look. You need to get money. I get it. But I do think there is this, with the heavyweight division especially, there is this huge thing about money, about who deserves what. And everyone gets into it. And I found myself doing it a few years ago and saying, that, does he deserve this? And does he? It is a load of old bullshit. Look, you, you just need to get the fight done. 
sometimes, especially when you want a challenger, so Tyson Fury and Alexander Rusik are in a position where they are able to offer, to take the most, the largest chunk of the purse. That's as clear as day. It's easily said and done. They're the champions. So what, 70-30 split? I think that's logical. I don't think that should even be, you know, you're a contender. You have a rematch clause. Dillian White's moaning about the rematch clause with Joshua, and Joshua isn't even, isn't even a champion. The fact is, Joshua's always going to have a rematch clause in his contracts because, you know, Eddie Earn's going to protect him just in case he gets defeated. So that's how it's always going to be. And Dillian White could beat Joshua. Joshua more than likely will beat White, but you don't know. But the fact of the matter is, Joshua against White, Ruiz against Wilder, all makes perfect sense. You've even got um, Joe Joyce, 37 years of age, same same age as um, Wilder. He's jumped straight back in with Zhang after getting blown out. He's shown more bollocks than most of them. There's no titles on the line, but that fight's intriguing. So when you look at it in perspective and all logic, you know, in an illogical mind, those fights seem absolutely perfect. And then Furiousik, it is almost like the contenders, whoever wins those fights, can then go on, maybe fight each other. Maybe you could then have, I know Joshua was looking at Wilder, but if Wilder and Joshua do get through those fights after Ruiz and White, then they can fight each other in December while Fury and Usyk fighting in Saudi Arabia as being potentially being tipped. And then they probably will have a rematch. They'll probably have a two-fight clause deal. So there'll be another fight in the summer. So then you can have another fight with the winner of... At the end of the day, the contenders need to fight each other. And then the other thing is, with all this crap with all the money and rematch clauses, you've even got the governing bodies that are sometimes deciding, do you know what? You're the champion and... um, we're going to give you a certain amount of time to fight this guy. They're not even doing that with certain fighters. So they, they will pressure certain fighters. And if they go, actually, no, I don't want to fight them, then they strip them. But then other fighters get the luxury of not having that problem. So it's, I think the governing bodies, I think the management, and I think the team that are around these fighters are in their ears. And it's all about money. And it's so difficult to follow. It's so boring to have conversations with people about it because someone else is going to say this guy deserves more money than this one. It's like, it's boring, Sean, isn't it? It really is. And it is, it's affecting the division. It's actually really frustrating and it's, it's turned me off away from the division completely. I'll get more excited now when I think of a new A. Fulton Jr., Crawford Spence, even, you know, Progray's recent victory puts him in a great position for some big fights. You know, Garcia lost the other day, but yeah, he'll be back. You know, Davis, them sort of guys, um, Haney, Lamanchenko, they're the guys that excite me because they seem to be fighting each other and they're setting this path where you can really see these fights developing in this year. And then you get this, Sean, and it, it, it just makes me think none of these guys, none of them, really are ever really going to go down in history as the top, top guys. They may consider themselves to be like Fury, but none of them will. I mean, Usyk's sort of stuck in a tough sort of a tough position because he wants a Fury fight. No one else really wants to fight Usyk, let's be honest, because he's just clearing up the place. But Usyk Fury is the logical fight and then the other contenders to fight each other. It just it's, it's nonsense, Sean. We have to listen to it, unfortunately. Promoters getting involved like Eddie with his big head and just chatting shit. But look, it's it's all part and parcel of this this heavyweight division at the minute. It's bollocks, mate. It really is. I, <laughs> I feel your frustration. And um, it makes me want to turn it off. The heavyweight division, that is. Boxing in general and the lower ranks at the minute are impressing me this year. 
Yeah, I, I'm impressed with, with some of the fights that are being made in the lower weight categories. And it is basically putting the heavyweight division to shame and the bullshit that comes around it. It's very it frustrating. It, it does turn me off. It makes me go on to social media and say like I'm posting something for one of our shows and I'll have a quick scroller through and I'll be just like, what is this absolute garbage <laughs> that I'm seeing? Like, it does turn me off. I literally just, I want, I just like, right, I'm clicking that app off now. I don't want to read this. You've got all these different media outlets scrambling for a bit of news. You know, like, it's, it's ridiculous what people are doing to, 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 to be newsworthy and to be prominent within, within boxing media. And I feel for them because that's the job that they're trying to do. That's the money they're trying to make. And it's like wild to get seen going to McDonald's eating a chicken nugget. And that's like big news in boxing. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's... I, I, tell you, I tell you what, sorry to interrupt you, Sean, but I tell you what else is also really quite bad for the heavyweight division in particular. I mean, the, way, the heavyweight division is the be-all and end-all of boxing, really. If that's, if that's shit then you don't get the commercial fans really watching because they're like, who's this guy? It just doesn't bring it, unless, you know, the four kings back in the 80s and them days is different. But in this day and age, everywhere tends to be where most people will, will, will they, they can sell the fights with fewer and be like, this is Canelo. Other than that, it's all the heavyweight fighters. But the, the sad thing is, is the YouTubers are raking in all the money yep. and fighting against each other. And they're putting this box, not, not just, the heavyweight division but boxing to shame and that isn't good is it that makes me quite sad about the state of boxing because the heavyweight fighters ain't fighting each other and that is because it's because of them i don't care however the heavyweight division lies in any decade of any time the rest of boxing goes unfortunately it's the case unless you talk about back in the day with the four kings in the 80s other than that honest to god and maybe May with a Pacquiao. They were the two big names. But before that, really, let's be honest, it's the glamour division and it's failing us. Yeah, it is failing us at the moment. I think what's more frustrating is that there are guys there that need to fight each other. Regardless, in, even even in terms of just legacy and bragging rights, like we always wanted to see yeah. Joshua Wilder. We always wanted to see Joshua Fiore. Even if there ends up being no significance to the fight as in like there's no titles on the line or it is literally just a fight they're still big fights they are still big fights i mean look at muhammad ali not all muhammad ali's fights were were glamorous they weren't all joe frazier's they weren't all george foreman's were they you know they had some fights against different people in different countries and he he, he created his own legacy I'm, i'm bringing him into the equation because he fought everybody he possibly could fight he fought every contender of his time. That's the thing. Every he, contender. He, he didn't dock anybody. Guys, and these were guys that probably ended their careers. And you look at them and you go, great, great heavyweight. Never won a world title. One of the best heavyweights to never win a, win, yep. never win a world title. But Ali beat him. That's crazy. Fury's not doing that, is he? No, this is it. This is the problem. Like, I think Cal Froch said it, actually. Cal Froch quoted it the other day about, like... He's talking about Fury's legacy, and now we know how Carl Froch likes to have his ten pence on every situation. But what <laughs> yeah. what he was saying here was logical. I actually agreed with him, and he said something. It was something along the lines of, like for Fury to be considered the best of this generation, he needs to beat Joshua, and he needs to beat Usyk. Until he's done that, the three wins against Wilder and one win against Klitschko all them years ago isn't significant enough. To, to say he is the best of this era. But then the counter question, the counter argument to that is then if he if he isn't the best of this era, then who is the best of the, this era that we're currently in? Do you say Joshua? You know what I mean? Who is the best of this era? That's the, that's the problem. You can't yeah. win. You're in it. You're in a, you're stuck between a rock and a hard place here because if Fury doesn't 
take them fights and, and, and they don't say, say in theory they don't happen right and his best wins are Deontay Wilder and Vladimir Klitschko right okay does he go down as an all-time great just off them wins alone he may go down as an all-time great but he certainly wouldn't reach anybody's top 10 that's for sure if he beats Usyk and he beats Joshua does he sneak into the top 10? Remember, they had this conversation a few months ago on a pod and we talked about the yep. same conversation. If he did that, then of course. So what Frotch is saying is right. You know, for him, in terms of legacy, you've got to beat these guys that are around you at the time. And he did it. I mean, yes, okay, he lost to Andre Ward, which was one of the greats of his era, but he fought everybody else around him. That's the thing. He rematched Kessler when he lost to Kessler. He would have loved to have rematched Ward. He would have loved to have fought Calzaghe. Do you know what I mean? Like, he, he fought everybody there was to fight, and that's why he's he's been inducted into the International Boxing Hall of Fame, and rightly so. Guys like Fury are going to live off that legacy of beating the man who beat the man and then beating Deontay Wilder a few times, who really... You know, is he one of the best of this era? Not really. Not really. He's just been he's just been one of those guys like a Tommy Morrison of the nineties. You know, he was able to knock people out and, and do it in emphatic fashion, but really when it came to the crunch, he just wasn't good enough. Like you think about who's beat him, Tyson Fury's beating him, and he's had obviously the three fights with him, he's had the, the draw and the two wins. It's like look at Deontay Wilder's resume before that. There isn't really much to that. There's no substance to that. Joshua's got a good resume. I think Joshua's resume is decent. You know, I got, I, I, he's one of the he's one of the best of the era, but he's not the best of the era. I think it's going to be between Usyk and Fury, and that's the fight that's really going to prove it. To be honest, so if these two got it on, and we got a winner out of that. Arguably, if Usyk beats Fury, he's got to be the best of this generation because not only has he become undisputed at cruiserweight. He's gone up and he's he's become an absolute <laughs> force. Yeah, yeah, exactly. At heavyweight. So yeah. there you go. I, I do. I do. I think honestly, I do. I honestly believe. I don't even care about the size. I honestly, Usyk. I still believe will beat Tyson Fury. I do. I know people think I'm mad to suggest it, but I do. I think Usyk beats Fury. And in fact, I think he don't beat him once. I think he beats him twice. Sean. I think they have a rematch. He does him twice. And then I don't think he'd even be done there because I think he'd still take on Wilder and beat him and then he would retire. Usyk's that breed. He's that guy. He lost time during the war having to go and fight for his country. But he is that guy. If you're going to say anyone will go down as in legacy, I think Usyk will be the man. Tyson Fury, I don't think he wants Usyk. He calls him a blown-up middleweight. It's not an excuse. It's not a big enough. It's just not there for me. He needs to prove himself. You can't have this drag on for as long as... I mean, what what are we talking? I mean, is he waiting for Usyk to get to 40 years of age before he takes the fight? By then, he's 36 or... or he's Sorry, 38. I mean, it's crazy. I think Tyson Fury is more interested in Anthony Joshua because I think he feels that he could probably knock him out. But then again, he sort of thinks, well, actually, maybe let him fight why let him fight Wilder because Wilder, the chances are he probably wipes the floor with Joshua because Joshua was so chinny. That fight would be great. The, the crazy thing is with Joshua Wilder is whoever lands first, I think, gets the other get the, one of them goes. It's as simple as that. that. That fight won't last six rounds. I don't believe it will. I think the, the likelihood is that Wilder lands something on Joshua. But if Joshua lands on Wilder first, then well, it could be game changing and go all over for Wilder. But that's more in that that is a very intriguing fight because you know there's a knockout coming and you don't know which way it's going to go. So that 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 that's that's just a fun watch. But you know they've got to fight each other though, Sean. You're right. I mean, how long we've we been saying this for? When you look at the Golden, you know, Frazier fought Foreman, 
Foreman, through Ali Ali, fought them both, you know, and then you even throw in the Ken Nortons. Ken Norton never fought Frazier because they were best pals. But, you know, these guys fought each other. They all fought Chavalo. You know, they all fought any of the other contenders, Oscar Bonavina, all those guys that were knocking around, Ernie Shavers, you know, it didn't matter. They fought each other at any point, in any time. You look through the through history and they lost some, they won some, you know, but that's how it goes, man. That's that's part and parcel of it. That's what that's why we still today live for the 70s, 60s, 70s in boxing, especially the 70s, heavyweights, because they it was the best ever, wasn't it, Sean? Let's be honest. Even in the even in the eighties, and when Tyson stormed onto the set again into the night as you had Lewis, you had only Field, people like, you know, that didn't even, you know, you had the three, four big names, but after that, you know, there wasn't really anyone else. Let's be honest. It's just yeah, it's sad because we've got a cluster of fighters here that could really make this era great, and I think they're gonna let it go by the wayside, mate. I and mean, these some of these guys are gonna retire about fighting any of them. Sad. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I, well, I think I think that kind of puts an end to this conversation because we just kind of go on and on. <laughs> yeah. We do, we do, we we kill it. We're just killing it. We just kill it. Destroying the heavyweight division. Here. We're destroying yeah. the era. We need to. The thing is, guys, when we do these career profiles and we, you know, we we do a lot of research on some of these absolute legends of the sport and some legends that just don't even get a mention, and then people want to be insult the sport by throwing in there. Tyson Fury is the greatest ever fighter ever lived. You think? Fuck me. Go and do your research because there's some tremendous fighters in the history of this sport. And I think probably because of the career profiles, when fights don't get happened, it just pisses us off, Sean, doesn't it? And all of a sudden, we're there, yep. like looking at the guys of old and thinking, God, them old-timers would have put these youngsters to shame. <laughs> yeah. A lot of these fighters that we cover are way before our time as well. And we just, you, do, know, get, you yeah. do get you do get encapsulated with the stories. And, and, and I think you think to yourself, why couldn't these guys today do what these guys have done in these different areas? And it is frustrating, but we'll just have to wait and see. I mean, we talked about what potentially could happen. Let's see over the next two months whether these fights get made and when they get made for. And maybe we could have a proper conversation about an actual heavyweight fight happening that we want to see so yeah guys we just thought we'd offload that onto you for this episode just because we've not been on for a couple of weeks and obviously these things have been talked about across social media and i felt like it was right to to sort of bring these conversations up of course if there's any other conversations you want us to rant about and, and moan about and, and have a laugh about, then please always let us know. Drop us a message at BTR Boxing Pod or a tweet at BTR Boxing Pod on Twitter or on the Facebook page or the Instagram page or you can do it on any available social media app. We're on there at BTR Boxing Podcast Network. As I said earlier on the show, Career Profiles is up and running for its newest season. Wilfred Benitez, the first episode, The Fifth King, is out there. Please go and listen to it and please get prepared for the next next couple of months because you've got a load of great episodes coming your way we're spoiled with the history of this sport we love it so much and it really is what keeps us loving this sport so much even at times when fights that should be getting made are not made we were able to go back in time and and research and do all this stuff and realize there's some amazing stories out there that you guys really should tune into if you love the history you want to know more about the sport go and check out our other shows darker side of boxing and legendary nights but that is it 
for this episode. We will come back next week. There will be a reaction show to this because I'm sure there'll be more stuff to talk about. And then we'll be looking forward to some of the big fights. You mentioned a new A and Fulton Jr. We've got Crawford and Spence at the end of July coming up. We will probably do a little special around that particular fight as well. So there's some great content coming out over the next few weeks. I want to give a shout out to the patrons of the podcast as well. Thank you guys for supporting us. As always, we hope you're enjoying your early access to the Career Profiles podcast. We've released the first few episodes on patreon.com forward slash btr boxing podcast if you want to become a patron you want to support us financially in that way you can do so by checking us out on that link and seeing what available tiers they are there because you will be able to subscribe and get early access ad free versions patron only content there's quite a decent amount of stuff on there for you guys if you want to explore more of what we do in some of the earlier access versions of it so you can actually listen to it before it goes live and gets released over the next few weeks please do make sure you go and check it out if you get a minute but other than that make sure you give us a like and a share and a retweet across social media if there's something you're not happy with now i never really say this on the show but if there's something you're not happy with then go and tweet us and let us know because now and again we do get the odd comment that will complain or moan about something to do with maybe what we've said or what we've done it's not very often but when we do i love a challenge and i love a conversation and i love a debate so if there's anything you do want to discuss on this show, or you might even want to add something in that we can discuss on the show, or any questions, or anything you want us to talk about, just drop us a tweet at BTR Boxing Pod or message us on Facebook. I'll tell you what, so someone may may come in. I'm sorry to interrupt you and say, why have I just listened to a couple of old miserable bastards that have rabbit <laughs> about the history? Of the <laughs> Sound like a couple of old men. Yeah, back in my day. Yeah, it's fucking <laughs> brilliant, wasn't it? <laughs> Yeah, no, that might be the complaint. But you know what? What can you do, eh? We do turn miserable sometimes, unfortunately. Oh, dear. Then what? Well, that is it for this show, guys. We hope you've enjoyed the show, the Big Fight Preview. Well, we'll be back next week with a reaction show. I hope you enjoy the fights, and we will see you soon. Sports Social Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.